This is Tea on the Hudson, a news and lifestyle podcast where we're spilling all of the Hudson County tea and more. My name is Jen Trapuka. I'm the founder of HobokenGirl.com and a Hudson County resident. On this show, we share news, lifestyle topics of interest, interviews, and have guest Hoboken Girl contributors on to delve into the things that matter to local residents. We're back with season two, refreshed and revived after the holidays and ready for an amazing season of fun and fresh local content. This week's episode, we have a special guest who's back by popular demand because she's a wealth of knowledge. And I don't know about you, but I think we're all in need of some self-care. Dr. Yesel Yoon, Hoboken resident and psychotherapist, is back for a discussion on a few important mental health topics surrounding our New York City metro area. Later on for our mini self-care segment, Lindsay Colomeo, founder of Happy Notes, is in-house to discuss the benefits of journaling daily. Basically, by the end of this episode, you're going to be happy, refreshed, and have a new outlook on 2020. This week, I'm drinking a flat white from Bluestone Lane because last week, this Australia-born coffee company donated all of its profits from the last week to Australia's wildfires, and they still have the best avocado toast around. The Hoboken Girl self-care guide is live on hobokengirl.com. If you don't know what this is, listen up because it is going to make your January amazing. There are over 50 plus local businesses sharing exclusive deals to their wellness businesses. Fitness, beauty, self-care, you name it. You just have to mention Hoboken Girl to redeem any of these deals by January 31st. You can see all of them on the homepage of hobokengirl.com. And in more Hoboken Girl news, coming up soon, we want you to save the date for these two big Hoboken Girl events. Saturday, March 28th is our fourth annual formal wear sale to benefit Suits for Success. We'll be sharing more about drop-off location spots in our next episode, but in the meantime, start collecting those old dresses, suits, accessories, beauty products that are new and unused, and we will give you locations where you can drop them for the sale going to be an awesome, awesome time. And it's our fourth annual. So we have a new goal of $3,000 to raise for Suits for Success. Another date you must save is Sunday, April 26th, our fourth annual Hoboken Wellness Crawl. This is essentially a bar crawl for wellness without alcohol. And all of the local businesses in town participate, including Jersey City businesses. So if you're a local wellness business and want to be a vendor, be on the lookout for the application coming soon. Tickets will go on sale later on this winter. We've extended our $100 gift card giveaway to February 15th. We'll be giving one lucky listener a $100 gift card to the local Hudson County business of your choice. Here's how to enter. Subscribe to Tea on the Hudson wherever you get podcasts. Rate and review us with five stars on the podcast platform you listen on, and then email the screenshot of your review to teaonthehudson at gmail.com, and you'll be entered to win a $100 gift card to the local business of your choice. 
Hoboken-based coding school Coditem, which is actually located in the Monroe Center where we record, has joined forces with a variety of local coffee shops such as Jefferson's Coffee, Hudson Coffee, Black Rail, and Joey No Nuts to offer one-on-one coding classes with a personal instructor at said coffee shops. The classes are $39, but future coders can receive $5 off any classes from now until the end of January when they use the code HobokenGirl when signing up. You can find more info on our site. Before we get into our news, I have to thank NewJersey.com and the Jersey Journal for sharing all about this podcast. We have a lot of new listeners, so welcome. Now grab a mug and let's get started with our news. On January 5th, Port Authority's cash toll hike went into effect. Cash tolls between New York and New Jersey were raised from $15 to $16. EasyPass rates also increased to $1.25 for both peak and off-peak travelers. Toll increases have been more frequent in the past few years, and Port Authority raised toll increases for their four bridges and two tunnels in 2008 and again in 2011. Between 2012 and 2015, tolls increased again during four scheduled hikes. If you've been keeping up to date with the latest headlines, then you probably know the current controversy surrounding Liberty State Park. If not, here's what's going on. Liberty National Golf Course is attempting to bring back an already proposed plan to relocate three of its course's golf holes to Cavan Point. This has caused controversy as Cavan Point is an environmentally sensitive habitat that is home to much of Liberty State Park's wildlife, including migratory birds. This past weekend, Friends of Liberty State Park hosted a rally to support the Liberty State Park Protection Act. Members of Friends of Liberty State Park and members of the public came together just two days before the legislative session. With a unanimous decision by the mayor and city council, Hoboken has become the first city in the state to ban all carry-out plastic bags, including the questionable reusable ones from places like CVS and ShopRite, and single-use polystyrene products like Styrofoam. This will go into effect in March 2020. Passed in August of 2018, the bill is part of Hoboken's Climate Action Plan, which seeks to achieve carbon neutrality by the year 2050. On January 5th, the Mile Square's dual-stream recycling law also went into effect. Jersey City is in the process of rolling out ride-sharing buses that can fit up to six passengers in total. For just $2 a ride, the Jersey City partnership with VIA allows riders to request or schedule a ride on the VIA app or by calling a phone number. Riders would have to walk to a convenient location for the pickup, and wait times are supposed to be no longer than 15 minutes. You can either pay through the app or with cash once you board the bus. Hoboken saw a double-digit drop in both violent and nonviolent crimes in 2019, according to new data released by the police department. Once again, there were no homicides in Hoboken, and every other crime category, ranging from rape to larceny, decreased by at least 20%. In other police news, the Hoboken Police Department Twitter account went rogue last week, calling a tweet fake news with a Z after it tweeted about a pedestrian being struck Saturday afternoon. The author of the tweet was a retired member of the police department who thought he was tweeting from a personal account, said police chief Ken Ferrante. The tweet was deleted and the chief took to Twitter to say that it did not represent his department's views. 
I happen to personally see this tweet and other tweets of a similar nature actually coming from an account with a CNN logo called Fake News. So it's safe to say the police officer forgot to switch accounts when doing his trolling. The morning after dozens of people spoke out against converting Jersey City's elected school board into an appointed body by the mayor, Mayor Stephen Phillips said that the potential change would only be temporary. By a 7-1-1 vote, the city council approved a resolution last Wednesday to add a public question to the November ballot that will ask voters whether the board should continue to be elected by the public or be appointed by the mayor with council approval. A food festival favorite is coming to Hoboken this month. The annual Mutzfest, celebrating none other than mozzarella cheese, happening January 26th at the Elks Club, is back. I highly recommend getting tickets in advance. It usually sells out, and it's usually from 2 to 6 p.m., and during the event, you basically just sample mozzarella from Frankie and Ava's Italian Eatery, Lacerdo Brothers, MMP Bianca Mano, Tony Bologna's, and Vito's. We have more information on this event on HobokenGirl.com. And now for some openings and closings. A new Malaysian restaurant called Mamak House has officially opened at 250 Route 440 in Jersey City. This space will be a hybrid of Malaysian and Chinese dishes and will also have a full bar. Little City Books and Boye Cafe is opening this week in Uptown Hoboken. This cozy downtown bookstore on 1st and Bloomfield will be opening in collaboration with the Uptown Coffee Shop at a new location in Uptown Hoboken. F45 Training Gym is opening this week in Hoboken. It's a new fitness idea that provides the ultimate gym experience by combining cutting-edge techniques with high-grade equipment and friendly supportive staff, according to their website. Stay tuned for more info as we have it. Sun Mary Bakery Cafe opened this past weekend in Hoboken in the former Aether Game Cafe location on Washington Street. This new bakery will specialize in fresh Asian pastries and desserts. They serve over 80 kinds of bread and cakes with other locations in New York, New Jersey, and California. Get ready for more mac and cheese, Hudson County. A mac and cheese franchise called I Heart Mac and Cheese is planning to open two New Jersey locations in Hoboken and Jersey City. Though no official opening date has been announced, iHeart Mac and Cheese says it has plans to open the first in 2020 and another in 2021. Not sure which is coming first. You can expect build-your-own macaroni and cheese bowls, order grilled cheeses, and even pick from a vegan menu that's in partnership with Beyond Meat. Coco Havana is gearing up to relaunch itself into a Havana-style bar. Co-owner Gary Yip says that the new space will be changing its concept and it will be a more casual, inviting, and lively environment for all. The current owners took over Coco in 2016 and have been successfully operating the locale for the last few years. Now, he says, it's more important than ever to keep up with the times and they're shifting it from a restaurant and bar concept to more of a bar concept with light happy hour bites and things like that. This year will also be the year of Shake Shack opening on Washington Street in Hoboken, though no official date has been released yet. However, Michael Rollins, a representative for the real estate company that secured the deal, revealed that Shake Shack's intentions to open the new site at 107 to 111 Washington Street will be during the second or third quarter of the year. 
Clove Garden of India has opened in the old Third and Vine location in Jersey City. Back in November 2019, Third and Vine officially announced on their Instagram account that they would be closing after nearly six years. The Pastrami House in Hoboken is officially open as of early January. With an original location in Lincroft, New Jersey, this deli has put down roots in Hoboken at 832 Washington Street. The new spot will be serving everything from matzo ball soup to signature pastrami sandwiches on rye bread, corned beef, and more. Tales on Trails is opening a new doggy day camp at a new space located at 434 Westside Avenue in Jersey City. They're hosting open houses starting this week, so definitely check it out. In other pet-related news, Beowulf Provisions for Pets, located at 106 5th Street in Hoboken, will be closing as of this week. The shop announced its closure via its Facebook page. Little Dove Cafe in Jersey City has just opened in the Heights as of last week. It's located in the Congress Station Coffee Shop location, which closed last year, and the new owners, who are connected to Fox and Crow in Jersey City, are excited to welcome locals to their space. They'll be serving coffee, tea, as well as food items, so make sure to welcome them to the neighborhood if you're in the Heights. For our feature segment this week, we have our favorite therapist back for some very important New Year's or any time of year discussion. Dr. Yesel Yoon is a Hoboken resident and licensed clinical psychologist based in New York City who runs an independent psychotherapy and career counseling practice. Today, she'll be talking about two very common topics that plague the New York City metro area, burnout and perfectionism. Hi, Yessel. Thanks so much for coming in again. Yeah, no, of course. My pleasure. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So you are a therapist living in Hoboken, working in New York City. How, what's that like? How's that been? Yeah, no, it's been great. So I've been living in Hoboken since 2016. But actually what brought me here was my, you know, postdoctoral training. And I actually worked in Montclair State University. And so, you know, I've been in New Jersey, but then in and out of the city, uh, because then I got my first like full time staff position at Pace University, which great. is where I worked for, uh, for a couple years. And then um, last year was when I started my part time practice. That's great. Now, speaking of years, it's the new year. Resolutions are everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's January. We've all set them. And then everything goes to Mm -hmm. What is your take on resolutions in general? How are they affecting people? What what do you think about them? So it's mixed, you know, and I, I can't say that I haven't done the resolution thing myself. And I would say that If it comes to resolutions and the new year being the reason that you're going to set intentions and, you know, attempt to try new habits and and do things that are more adaptive, then by all means, you know, so it's not about like setting resolutions and new years is bad. I just find that a lot of people do struggle with, you know, this kind of ritualized thing of it only happens once a year. And then, you know, after we, you know, wait a couple months or weeks or maybe even a couple days, <laughs> you know, and then it fizzles out. And then the sort of sense of disappointment that a lot of people have, and then it, they almost sort of set up this expectation that it's not until next year that they can try again on building any new and adaptive habits. 
So it really can be something that, you know, you're trying to do something positive, but it can actually be a negative. Yeah, I think it can kind of it can be a force, like a motivating force for sure. And there's a lot of momentum. So there's something kind of nice about that, which is the reason why everyone kind of does it and it gets in, on the quote unquote bandwagon, I guess. Mm-hmm. But there, I mean, you know, without making it sound too negative, I mean, I think that there is something about a sense of, you know, uh, community that clearly you get like just universally when you see around at the gym. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. You see everyone there, you know, or, um, you just, uh, see it all in the advertising. So there's a lot of momentum around you and that can actually be helpful and motivating until it's not, you know, and then, um, and I'm sure that we'll talk more about this, but about how much is, is the resolution and this intention really for you versus just because you're, you're feeling like you should be doing this. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, because I think on social media we see it. We see it everywhere. Oh, 2019 was terrible, but 2020 is going to be my year. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, all those types of messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So with resolutions comes another topic that I know you're very familiar with and deal a lot with. And I think you mentioned to me before uh, when you were featured as Hoboken Girl of the Week, perfectionism. Mm-hmm. That is something that... It's a trait that really many of us kind of coyly say, oh, I'm a perfectionist as a positive, maybe even a little proudly. But what would you say about perfectionism and how prevalent is it in our New York City metro area? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, in my practice, you know, I I specialize in working with people who are high achieving, you know, perfectionistic. And so, like you said, they a lot of people do come to me already sort of self-diagnosing or self-proclaiming or they've been told that, you know, that they have these tendencies. And so it's not just in my practice, but I do see that there's a culture of perfectionism, of high achieving all around us, you know, and so um, it's it's tempting to wear it as a badge of honor. But I will say that, you know, after a while, you know, it, it takes a, a large toll on someone's well-being. Yeah. And what would you say are the signs of perfectionism? Of course, people just say, oh, I'm a perfectionist because I read over my email super carefully or something <laughs> along those mm-hmm. lines. But mm-hmm. what are really the signs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I will speak more generally, like you said, to sort of the signs, although it can show up to, um, in people's lives, you know, differently. But across the board, I would say that some key features of perfectionism are these unrealistic high expectations. You know, so I say unrealistic because it's not about having high expectations is bad. You know, you you strive, you know, for for doing your best and things like that. Sure. But I would say that someone who struggles with perfectionism is they sort of take the high expectations and then they um, keep moving the bar further and further away from themselves. Um, And so even when they do meet a goal, there's always something about it that's not good enough. You just push it farther up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, even if uh, and sometimes perfectionists will say, no, it is realistic. I can do it. You know, and I will say, yeah, well, but is there a cost to that of you striving as hard as you are for this, you know, reach this goal or, or whatever it is? Right. And that cost could be their mental health, their well-being. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. That's, that, that's, that's profound. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one kind of feature of it. The other is how much outcomes or um, doing well is tied to their self-worth. So, you know, it's if I do well on this, then I'm good, you know, or if I don't, 
then the sense of shame or embarrassment or again this kind of I'm not good enough or and also like the temptation to compare yourself a lot to other people. Interesting and especially with today's I mean we mentioned before social media so many people probably feel it even more so because of social media. Do you have any thoughts on the social media epidemic with perfectionism? Yeah yeah I would say that that is what fuels a lot of uh, this temptation to compare at all times is because you're only seeing again outcomes in a very curated way on social media and so when you're looking at that and then sort of taking stock of your own you know whatever's going on in your life you know um, and your own process is that you compare that to what you see that's again like I said curated then there there is always some reason that you might think that your life or whatever you're doing is less than in some ways so that comparison is really affecting people mm-hmm, absolutely okay say you're a perfectionist How can you take care of yourself when perfectionism is getting in the way of, say, trying new things or tackling goals? Because, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm a little bit of a self-proclaimed perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And I was telling you before, I when I go to things like a paint and sip or something that's supposed to be like a fun craft, my you know, thoughts take over where I'm like, I have to just make this great. It's got to be perfect. And it almost hinders me from enjoying the project because it's something that I have to make perfect. Mm -hmm. What can people do when they're trying new things to mitigate that? So, you know, coming back to that whole thing around the New Year's resolutions, you know, one of the reasons why making progress towards goals or kind of the intention to try something different is it can be a, almost a setup for perfectionists is because um, they forget that there's you know, these like little steps that they can take that are like sort of mini achievements, you know, they're, and so I would say that first, like you said, when you want to, you know, tackle something new is remembering why. Like, and so I think um, so many of the goal setting things, like I think it's it, that's that's good and all, but people forget to set goals or intentions for things that are actually valuable and meaningful personally to themselves. Mm, what kind of goals would, would that be just as an example for people? Yeah, yeah. And so um, I guess a, a good one that I know that I've, I've spoken to a lot of my clients about are – Okay, well, we'll even talk about the health one, right? Because that that often comes up, especially around January. So, you know, they'll say that I want to go to the gym, you know, X number of days a week, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but then I, I find and they find that they're really struggling to do that. And so then I say, well, why did you set that goal in the first place? Mm. You know, and so when we start drilling down on that, then it's like their value, their quality that they're really trying to like kind of instill in their life is that they want to be healthy. You know, they want to feel, you know, uh, more grounded uh, physically, you know, um, their well-being is, you know, much higher than it maybe was the year before. You know, and that's the thing that's meaningful to them. So focusing on those values versus like a comparison or a standard that they have to achieve. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the difference sort of between values using goals you know it might sound just sort of like semantics but it really is a meaningful difference like values versus goals because then it's just the way you're living versus Mm -hmm. something that's on a to-do list that check once it's done it's it's moving on yeah absolutely so then when we know that like the value is around like physical health you know or wellness then you have you open up a lot more possibilities and options you can do that by is it really just the gym or can it be you know by um going for a walk 
you know, or um, going to yoga or it, it doesn't even have to be anything physical necessarily. Right. It's just the value of it and what it means to you. Mm-hmm. That's that's so profound. It makes a lot of lot of sense. Now, this is a phrase I've heard you use, how to talk back to perfectionism. What can you say when someone is really, truly embodying a perfectionist attitude and they need to just stop or or get it to be better? Of course, they can't totally stop um, mm-hmm. the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what, what can we do? Yeah, yeah. What no. can I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that you even just paused and said, I know I can't stop it because that's exactly the, the reason I say things like talking back to it, mm-hmm. you know, because it's almost like perfectionism is, I mean, I mean, people sometimes describe it as like this other voice. This other, you know, sometimes like horrible voice that's (laughs) telling you these stories and narratives about like you're not good enough or this person's better than you or why did you even try or blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's very painful. And so instead, so you almost, you know, act like the perfectionist is this person sitting across from you and have a conversation as opposed to saying, hey, you don't exist. You know, um, you know, I'm going to ignore you or whatever. Create more anxiety. Yeah, exactly. The perfectionistic voice is going to make it very clear that it's alive and and, and very much in your (laughs) life. Right. If you try to resist it. And so instead, you know, kind of saying something back to it. Right. Um, And this is kind of where the role of self-compassion saying something, you know, challenging it still. So it's not saying like, yes, you're right. You know, I am, you know, all these things you're saying about me. It's not that it's just saying, you know, so I'm hearing you, you know, say that you don't think I'm good enough. But this is the reason why I, you know, I'm going to choose to feel a different way or I'm going to interpret this situation differently, you know, than what the perfectionistic thought might be initially. Right. So it really can help with just your own self-talk and and making sure that you're calming the thoughts down but not disregarding them or, or saying stop completely. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I love this phrase that I've heard before is that what you resist persists. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so I would say kind of practicing that with uh, whether it's perfectionistic thoughts or any other kind of critical things that come up is just um, noticing it and then, yeah, challenging it and saying something back to it. So, and it's a, it's a practice. I know that when I say this, sometimes people are like, what does that even look like? You know, <laughs> or I feel like I'm going to be lying to myself. Right. You know, and so I think it's about, you know, still being able to say something back that is still true to you and believable, you know, um, and but just putting some space between, you know, the initial critical thought that might come up and then your gut reaction to just believe it and feel like crap. That's such great advice. Now, more advice because our New York City metro area suffers from perfectionism. And I know you mentioned burnout. Mm-hmm. Burnout is a huge one, which I know from friends, colleagues, I mean, everyone's working such long hours in our area. We're answering emails on weekends. We're we're continuing this process and it just feels like it doesn't end. Yeah, you take a vacation, but then you're back into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so tell me about burnout. Obviously it relates to perfectionism, but what what are the two commingled as and and what is it defined in your eyes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they are so um kind of related to one another because perfectionism, when you're sort of having that mindset and building that habit really around perfectionism, it's very stressful, right? And so when you're kind of running chronically on that stress, then it inevitably sort of leads to this burnout phenomenon. So burnout uh, without going into the science of all all of it, <laughs> it's essentially that it's the end result of chronic stress. Mm. So if you think about stress kind of having a beginning, a middle, and an end, the end part is usually burnout. 
what does it look like? Yeah. So burnout. Or feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Asking people. Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. And so I think people do experience burnout in different ways. Um, but I would say the common features of this are lack of motivation, just not having, you know, kind of any energy, whether that's like emotional, mental or physical energy. Because, again, if you think about burnout, it's also people can describe it as being overwhelmed or exhausted. You know, so it's that like end phase of after having run on so much stress and anxiety, you Fumes. know. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like you were you were in like fight or flight response for for so long you know, trying to like deliver on all these deadlines and run from one thing to another. Mm -hmm. And at the end, yeah, it's like when like you, it's almost like your physical, but also your emotional body kind of flops on the floor and you're done. Um, And so what that can look like is uh, people just becoming even more irritable because they just cannot, like they can't give anymore. They're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, like lacking any motivation. Um, I will speak to my like a personal example is I notice that when I'm burnt out, it's usually when I'm trying to put in the same amount of energy that I have in like, let's say a task, like I'm I'm writing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And normally like, you know, me writing would be fine, but I'm noticing that for the next, the past hour, I've just been sitting at my computer and I just, I can't write anything. You know, and that's usually a sign for me that clearly like I need to reset. I need to stop. And mm-hmm. I've like this is sort of like a burnout with like a, a like a lowercase b. You know, there's sure. there's more extreme for- versions of, of it. But this is kind of like a sign for me that I notice. So people, when they notice that sign, then they can they need to do something about that. Right. Like mm-hmm. this, so what should people do? Take a break for a day, a week, a month, what what does that look like for people? I guess it probably varies, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because depending on, you know, what it is that at, is at hand, you know, so for me in that case with like, a, you know, I'm trying to, you know, write this thing and I'm realizing I'm really spinning my wheels. Then for me, I think I would probably say, you know what, like for today, I'm done. You know, like I will come back to this maybe tomorrow, right? Um, and let's say that I have sort of the luxury or the the capability of saying that and setting that limit. Um, for some people, they are trying to get something done, but and they do have a deadline at the end of the day. Right. And so for them, that break might be, you know, for the for the next fifteen minutes, I'm going to walk away from my computer. You know, um, and hopefully not just stare at another screen. Right. (laughs) But my hope is that you take a walk, you know, go talk to someone if that actually will be like rejuvenating for you. Do you think technology, speaking of that, do you think technology affects burnout more these days or is it the same? Yeah, yeah. So I would say I think that it has a propensity to kind of add fuel to the fire um, because technology just gives you more information that you're consuming, more energy that you have to expend on like making sense of things. Um, And especially because technology usually means that you have then even more access to um, maybe your email and work and other people have more access to you to ask more of you, you know? Um, And so I find that sometimes that can be a slippery slope. But that being said, I know that also when people are feeling burnt out or stressed or they just need a break, you know, they still they do reach for their phone. And there is something about that, that if that's what helps them afford them that five to 10 minute break away from the other thing that's more stressful then you know, I mean, I think then that's it works for them. So scrolling in scrim could be okay for burnout. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. I feel like with burnout, 
people might not know they're suffering from it potentially because they're in this perpetual state of exhaustion or something along those lines. I mean, it could be for new moms. It could be, I mean, it could be a lot of different types of things for work. What are some of the questions you should ask yourself if you're thinking you're burnt out? Mm, that's a really good question. Because, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's not every day that people are like, hey, I'm burnt out. You right. know, because if, if, <laughs> I wish I wish that was the case because then people could, you know, be more proactive. Um, but as you're saying that, like when let's see, I would say that some good questions to ask yourself um, are like if I continue going down this road, you know, like through these actions or whatever it is, however I'm spending my time right now, you know, and I project, you know, a, a day from now or the end of this week, if I keep expending, you know, my energy and my time as I am, where do I think I will be? Mm. You know, so cast a little bit of a forecast. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so casting a little (laughs) bit of a forecast in the future, just so you know, is a a good way to kind of maybe um, like taper, you know, where you're at. Because, again, I think in the short term, someone who is, again, like maybe a bit perfectionistic or people pleaser, they're like, well, I can just do one more thing. I can just one more thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. but it's not until it's too late that you realize that like maybe, you know, 10 things ago, you know, might have been a good stopping point, but you didn't realize that. So that might be a good way to sort of check in with yourself. And I think checking in with yourself is such a simple thing that we don't do very Mm -hmm. often. I feel like in our area, we're just moving, moving, moving on the go buzzing around and even when we're on a train or sitting on the path we're not necessarily with ourselves we're on our phones or something so checking in I feel like is so important and I would also say too is that um, before deciding to do something or not to do something is also saying is this coming from a place of like I feel like I should do this because there's a lot of shoulds that we're operating off of and then when that kind of layers on top of each other over and over again that can also kind of lead to this sense of overwhelm and burnout versus is this a should or is this what I want to do or don't want to do right so it just kind of feels like you have a little bit more kind of intentionality or kind of control over, you know, what you're deciding to do. That's such helpful advice. And this was so eye-opening and really, really helpful. I hope that it resonates as much with our listeners as it does with me. Now, how can people contact you for advice or, you know, to get into your practice and and anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. And so my practice is in Manhattan. Um, And then the best way you can reach me is by looking up my website, which is um, www.yy. O-O-N-P-H-D.com. So it's like Y-U-N-P-H-D.com. And also on there, you'll find my contact information, but also I'm writing a weekly uh, blog series. And most recently, I've been writing um, about actually this whole issue around perfectionism, you know, uh, myths around that are kind of killing your productivity towards those resolutions, you know. And so even if, you know, you don't necessarily want to reach out for therapy per se, there's a lot of good resources that you can find on my website too. Love it. Well, thank you again. It was so great to have you in. And thanks for spilling the tea with me, Yesel. Yeah, thank you. For our self-care segment today, we have Hoboken resident Lindsay Colomeo sharing some fun tips on journaling through her passion project, The Happy Notes Book. She's here to discuss the benefits of writing notes of gratitude daily and how you can incorporate it into your daily routine. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so glad you're here. 
So you're a beauty editor at The Perfect Core and a former digital beauty editor at Allure, as well as a writer for sites like The Zoe Report and Pop Sugar, which means you have lots of time yes. for a side project. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, so you brought your passion project, The Happy Notes Book, to life, a simplified gratitude style practice of happy notes. Now, what does this exactly mean? What are happy notes? Yeah. So even as a writer, um, I struggle with this idea of opening to a blank page and kind of spilling all of my thoughts into that. However, I think everybody, even on your worst day, can come up with one thing that made them smile, whether it's as small as a simple as a cup of coffee, watching a sunset, taking a walk, listening to a new podcast, having dinner with friends. So it's this idea of simplifying, opening a blank page and kind of feeling stuck, like, what do I have to be grateful for into just something that made you smile? that day. Such a great idea. And the idea of journaling as a happiness booster, even that 15 seconds a day, it's really becoming more and more popular. So Tell us some of the research behind it. Totally. So in kind of diving into this project, I did a lot of research on the science of well-being and what makes people happy. Um, there is actually a really cool course you can take online for free from a professor from Yale, Dr. Lori Santos, and she dives into what makes people happy. And one of the most fascinating and simple simple. Mo- things from that was that happiness isn't absolute. So you don't just achieve happiness one day and then you float there in this euphoric state for the rest of your life. So it's something you have to actively work at. And thankfully, unlike a physical fitness routine, which might require a lot of equipment and, you know, more than 15 seconds, um, this is something that you can practice daily. And actually, you do see a beautiful um, result from. I love it. Now, you created this based on this research and you have happy notes. How and when did you come up with this project? So it actually started, the concept started from a post-breakup probably about three years ago, kind of where you hit that moment where you can't really complain to friends and family anymore. (laughs) Um, You're kind of just stuck in your own rut. But I hit a point where I was like, I just need to do something to help myself. And funny enough, one of my close friends called to check on me one day. And it was like a Tuesday afternoon. And he was like, stop what you're doing, flip to the back of your notebook and write these three things down. And he told me to write down a moment of joy that made me smile that day, something I was excited for in the days to come and something to accomplish that wasn't necessarily work related, but anything from try a new recipe, call my grandma, take a walk, what, whatever it might be. Um, and crazy enough, from that day, I started doing this practice. And, and at the time, it was more frequently because I just needed to train my brain to think happy. But as it went on, I started to do it definitely weekly and I've stuck with it ever since. And it's kind of how the whole project came to be because I kind of lent that knowledge to friends and family that were going through their own trials and tribulations of life. And then soon enough, they were like, can you bring this to life? This is such like this is really helping me. And I saw my my own self kind of benefit from that. So it's kind of how the whole story came to be. It's amazing. And so with Happy Notes, how does it actually work for someone who might purchase it? Yeah. So it's a it's an everyday notebook um, and working in the frontwards direction. It's actually a daily notebook. So I actually use mine every day for work. Um, and then the last two thirds, if you flip to the back and work in the backwards direction, the last two thirds have these Happy Note prompts, which I said before were moments of joy, excited for and to accomplish. And usually on like a Sunday night or a Monday morning or whenever the feeling strikes, sometimes I'm having a great week or a not so great week and I just turn to this practice to, to boost me. Um, I sit and I write my notes from the week. So I look at things that made me smile during the week, things I'm excited for in the week to come and things that I want to accomplish. And I think it's really cool because I 
oftentimes will look back or just flip through my notebook and see some of the things that I totally would have forgotten had I not written them down. Um, and the idea of having them in the back of this notebook is that they're kind of inexcusably convenient. So it's not that beautiful gratitude journal that you never want to write in. It is really pretty, I must say. <laughs> um, but it's not um, it's not something that's too pretty to write in or scribble in. It's supposed to be an everyday notebook that you're working in. And then it has this kind of inexcusably convenient practice that really will improve your well-being. Sounds amazing. And if someone wants one, where can they get one? So you can get them on happynotesbook.com. And I actually have a special code for um, Hoboken, my Hoboken, fellow Hoboken residents. So if you put in Hoboken happy, um, you'll get 20% off your, um, your first order. Love it. And where can people find you? So you can follow me um, or the Happy Notes book at Happy Notes book on Instagram um, and on our website and on Facebook, kind of all under that same handle. And yeah, they're $24. They're, it's $2 if you want to have them um, personal, like hand lettered and personalized. So I know everybody loves the personal touch these days more than ever. So I think that's a kind of a nice bonus. Well, thanks so much for coming in. It was so great to have you share about this. And I think that a lot of people will take this away in whatever way that they can do it. But make sure to check Lindsay out, the Happy Notes book, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. And think happy, I dare you. Our hidden gem this week is Corgi Spirits. This is a Jersey City-based distillery that uses their potato-based gins and vodkas in cocktails served at their tasting room. It's located at One Distillery Drive in Jersey City, and they have awesome events throughout the year. It's such a cool spot, and if you pay $5, you can actually come and taste all of their distilled drinks, and if you buy a bottle, then you get the $5 fee of the tasting waived. So it's such a fun little trip into Jersey City, so make sure to check it out. That's Corgi Corgi Spirits, located in Jersey City at One Distillery Drive. Our getaway this week is more of a hot tip. Newark flies directly to the Grand Cayman Islands. Did you know this? I didn't, but I just booked a quick trip there for February. And while I don't have a review to report yet, the four-hour flight that is nonstop to paradise during the winter is much needed. So definitely check it out. And our Hudson hero this week is Bluestone Lane doing their part and helping Australia. We are so proud to have you in our community. You are our Hudson hero. And our Hudson Zero, the retired police officer who shall not be named, that tweeted fake news with a Z from the official police account. You are our Zero. And for our nonprofit this week, we're actually going to draw some attention to the Australia fires. Now, the fire departments in Australia really need our help. And in both Victoria and New South Wales, two of the state's hardest hit by the blazes, you can donate directly to the state fire authority or to a local fire brigade, many of which are volunteer based. For the fire departments in Victoria, donate directly at cfa.vic.gov.au. I know that's a mouthful, so I'll say it again. cfa.vic.gov.au. And for departments in New South Wales, donate on the South Wales government website. We'll put these in our show notes, so make sure that you check them out. 
And that concludes this episode of Tea on the Hudson. Major thanks to Dr. Yasel Yoon and Lindsay Colomeo of The Happy Notes Book for coming on the show, our production team, Van Vorst Films, and Mike Soul for our music. We'll be spilling the tea every Tuesday morning, so make sure to subscribe, share, and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us spread the word. You can also get in touch with us by following at Tea on the Hudson on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and email teaonthehudson at gmail.com with any requests. See you next week for a new episode. 